Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Well, bear with me. Last time I got up here, somebody told me last time I got up here and said I'm going to kind of more teach that I ended up preaching harder than I had in a long time. My intention here this morning is to, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what my voice will let me do. In the last two weeks, I've been swimming in underground caves in Mexico, slept under the window unit at youth camp, and I don't know what my voice is going to let me do this morning. So if you would just be praying for me that the Lord will help me get out whatever he wants here today. God has a plan. Amen. We love it. We look forward to it. Most of the time, we're enamored with the plan. We all like that thought. There's nothing wrong with that, so don't be on guard and say, oh, he's tricking us. No, there's nothing wrong with us. I hope that you want God's plan in your life. We love plans. We love when a plan, if you were like me, I grew up uh, in the 80s, uh, born in 79, grew up in the 80s. How many of you watched the A-Team? Anybody remember the A-Team? And I remember uh, whenever it always say, you know, I love it when a plan comes together. You know, we all love plans. We all love when plans come together. Uh, often we become so anxious, though, for the plan that we fail to realize that there is a process that leads to the plan. Everybody loves the plan, but not many people love the process. There is a process that leads to the plan, and we are not nearly as thrilled with the process as we are the plan, but the process is necessary. Somebody say the process is necessary. You see, you've got to have it. The word process, in other words, like procedure, proceed, and processional indicate a moving toward something. The processional that a graduating senior or a bride at her wedding walks through is indicative of the journey of life. The processional reminds us that nobody merely arrives anywhere. We've just come through graduation graduation season, and we've had high school graduations and kindergarten graduations and college graduations, and and when you look at, you go to those formal events, and you look on those programs, and it says things like processional. That processional is what? It is the procedure. It is the process. It is getting you to the place. If you are a graduating senior uh, from college or high school or whatever, Ever. The process has been class. The process has been tests. The process has been late nights writing papers. Come on, I know I got more students in here than that. I need to hear some amens. The process has been, you know, even, you know, you have a couple of mess ups and maybe even fail a test or two or maybe even fail a class or two. And then you get all the way to the place uh, wherever it's going to be. This year was at Davis Wade State. It's usually in the hump, but for our state graduates, it was in Davis Wade, and and you come walking in, and all of that is a process to lead to what? To that moment where that diploma or that degree is placed 
in your hand. But I remind you that nobody merely arrives anywhere. It's a process. It's a journey. We're about to be welcoming in freshmen, probably four or 5,000 new freshmen into the city of Starkville here in about another month. And they're going to begin a process that is going to lead them to the plan, the degree. But I remind you today that even as Christians, we want the plan and we want the end. But God in his sovereignty has made it to where we have to also walk through the process. You see, there is a process. The process is revealed scripturally as we study Israel coming out of Egypt, going to the promised land. God has a plan for his people, but they wandered for 40 years through the process known as the wilderness. And the tragic truth is that only two of the original people that came out of Egypt, adults, survived the wilderness and entered in to the promised land. You see, I want you to see this, that Satan does his best work while you're in the wilderness. Where did Satan try to get at Jesus? It wasn't at the temple. It was, when, it was when he was out in the wilderness, and he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I know you say he did take him to the temple at one point in there, but, but he came to him, and his assault on Jesus came when Jesus was out in the wilderness. That's when the enemy's going to try to destroy you. The enemy's not going to try to come and destroy you when you're at your strongest and you're at your best and everything's going great. It's out in the wilderness where Satan does his best work. But I'd like to counter that with also that not only does Satan do his best work out in the wilderness, I believe God does his best work out in the wilderness too because it's in those moments where God likes to show up and show out. It was in the same wilderness that God showed up to Moses in the burning bush and let him know that I am is sending you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But we must walk through the process. So the question for many of us is, how do I survive the wilderness? I have three very simple points, and I'll let you go this morning. Number one, we've got to realize that there are some things that you are not meant to change. You are only meant to survive. I'm going to say that one more time. Realize that there are some things you are not meant to change. You are only meant to survive. Now, I know that we live in a world, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm the same way, but we live in a world. We want to preach it to our young people. We want to preach it to everybody. You're a world changer. You can change things around, and you can. So don't misunderstand me. Stay with me. And, and we want to change things. We want to change the world. We want to change things going on. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that to change the world around us. But we also have to understand But there are some things that are not meant for you to change. You are only meant to survive them. You see, Israel was not meant to change the wilderness. The wilderness was meant to change them. And that's where not many people want to amen right there because we want to be the world changers. We want to be the ones that goes in and like in the book of Acts, turn the world upside down. We want to be the ones that change things. But the bottom line is there are seasons you are going to go through that you are not meant to change those. 
You are not meant to change anything. Those things are meant to change you. You see, Israel did not involve themselves in changing anything until they entered into Canaan and they started marching around walls and defeating giants. But in the wilderness, nothing changed. And in fact, if you got on a plane or a boat or a train or however you could get over there to over in Israel right now outside of Egypt, you know what? The wilderness is still the wilderness. It never did change. The promised land changed. They marched around walls. They killed giants and all that. But the wilderness is still the wilderness because the wilderness was a filtering time and a screening process. We find the story of Moses reveals this truth. When you look at the story of Moses, you find, you know, how many of you remember the Prince of Egypt? You remember that movie here? I don't even remember how many years ago, Prince of Egypt. We watched that movie. But you read the story in the Bible, and you remember how Moses, uh, he was saved, thankfully. The Lord saved his life, spared his life. He was raised in the palace of Pharaoh, but he chose instead. to. He was blessed to be raised by his mother, and he chose to follow the Lord instead of, as the Bible said, enjoy the riches of Pharaoh. And at age 40, Moses thought he was ready to be Israel's great deliverer. At age 40, we find that he saw, uh, he saw that there was an Egyptian that was beating one of his fellow Israelites. And what happened? He ended up killing the Egyptian. And he ended up thinking that he was going to be the great deliverer. But unfortunately for him, it wasn't God's time. And God knew Moses wasn't ready. And so instead of Moses becoming the great deliverer then, God led him into the wilderness for 40 years and worked on him until age 80 where he was ready to go back and be used by the Lord. I just need to talk to somebody here today. I know sometimes it's discouraging. I know sometimes we feel like we, we want God to do it right now and we're ready. But listen, sometimes God's going to make us walk through the wilderness. Moses thought he was ready at 40, but God said, no, you're not. I'm going to take you through a wilderness experience where I'm going to knock some things out of you and put some things in you and get you ready. And it's going to be 80 years, or you're going to be 80 years old before you truly are ready for what I want to do with you. I'm going to stop for just a second on this Sunday morning in June and remind some folks here today, I don't know if you're 60, 70, 80, 90 here in this place, but can I tell you, God didn't get Moses ready until he was 80 years old. So I need to tell somebody here today, you may feel like God just don't have a plan for you. God's not going to use you. Maybe he's just been working on you all the way to 80 to when then he's really ready to use you in a significant way like never before. You see, you and I are not always fruitful. There are seasons of fruitfulness in our lives for certain. But during our less fruitful times, we're much like a tree in the winter when the sap goes underground only to come alive again in the spring. Most of you know that I lived in Illinois, pastored up there for several years, and one thing about up there, when winter comes, everything turns gray. Everything turns brown. Even around here. Now, this, this past winter, it changed a little bit because we had that really, really cold spurt right around Christmas that killed everything this past year. But I can remember we living down in Loosedale when we were down there. There were some winters down there. I think it might have got below freezing one time for a low, and that was about it. But when you go up there to Illinois, uh, there, ain't as many, there ain't hardly any pine trees, and the grass dies, and the trees seem to die, and everything's dead, and you're looking around at gray. And I remind you that there are times like that for us also. There's times where it 
seems like God is just, fruit is just coming out of us. God is blessing us. He's using us. He's anointing us. He's doing great things through us. And then sometimes it feels like that we are just simply dead. But don't believe the lies of the enemy that tell you you're dead. God bless you. Whenever I've been suffering with allergies and stuff too here lately, don't believe the lie of the enemy that would tell you that you are dead when really you're just in a season of preparation. (laughs) You can praise God if you want to. There are times in life where you simply have to outlive certain situations. This is nothing new. It's nothing nothing you've never heard before. I didn't get it. I've heard it before. But the Bible does say this. The Bible you find in several places where the Bible says it came to pass, but I've never read once where it says it came to stay. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how difficult it may be. It may have come, but it came to pass. If you're going through a tough time, if you feel like you are out in the wilderness right now, let this preacher just give you one assurance from the Word of God today. It came to pass. I wish you'd look at three people and tell them it came to pass. (laughs) Number two, and this is something that I... Again, I know you've heard me say this many times, but you're going to continue to hear me, Lord willing, and I'm still in very circumstances. One more time, I'm going to say it again. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. What you are facing and going through in your life is transitional. It's here. Circumstances, most, most 99.9% of the time, you're going to outlive the circumstances that you're going through. I think we've all been through hard times. We've all faced things before. And all of the things that we're facing in life is transitional. You know, the only thing that stays the same is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But this world around us is changing like crazy. Being in youth camps and seeing some of the things that our young people are facing and going through, they're living in a whole different day than I was when I was a young person. I don't mean to be graphic or anything, but we got so many, not just our youth camp, but I've been watching videos from youth camps and camp meetings. Some of our kids, some of our young kids are addicted to pornography. You know, when I was young, you you had to go searching. You had to go searching somewhere to find it. You know, you had to go to sneak into some store and find a Playboy magazine or something to get it. But our kids have got it right at their fingertips right now. The enemy's fighting our young people hard. It, it is a, this world is just changing all around us. Things are changing. And remember that. Remember that everything is changing, continually changing. And what you think is here today and what is huge today, it will be gone tomorrow. The children of Israel made the tragic mistake of making decisions based on the temporary circumstances that the wilderness provided. They made permanent decisions that would affect them permanently based on circumstances that were temporary there in the wilderness. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. It could be a financial crisis. It could be a health crisis. It could be a relational crisis. I don't know what you're facing, but God sent me here this morning to remind somebody that whatever wilderness you're walking through, whatever you're facing, remember, it's going to change. 
You're not in it to stay. You're not in it forever. It's going to change. You're walking through it. You're going through it. You are not there forever. So please, 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 please don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance. And during these times, prayer must become a priority in your life. Prayer is the seasoning that makes our decisions palatable. You see, you've got to learn to pray in the hard times. I'm going to tell you something that you're probably not going to want to hear either. The most growth that I have ever experienced in my walk with Christ over the past 43 years has not been in the great times. I thank God for camp meeting this year. It was refreshing. It was a blessing. I thank God when I can get in services like this and, and God's pouring out His Spirit and moving and all of that. But the times that I've really grown spiritually have not been the times where everything's going great and everything's wonderful. The times that I have really grown spiritually are the times when I felt like I'm in the wilderness and I felt like I'm all by myself and nothing seems to be going right. It's in those moments that I've learned to pray, in those moments where I've learned to hold to God's unchanging hand, in those moments where I've learned to worship even when everything ain't going like I want it to. It is in those times in the wilderness where God has strengthened me and my prayer life and my spiritual walk. It is in the wilderness where we'll grow the most. Somebody give God praise if you believe it. I didn't say you had to like it. I just said believe it. Their lack of faith, Israel extended their stay in the wilderness. God never intended for them to stay 40 years. Now we read here in our text in chapter 13 verses 17 and 18 where the Lord led them through the wilderness, and he took them around through the Red Sea because there was a shorter way, but God never intended for it to be 40 years. You read the story. I encourage you. You've heard me say this enough also. Don't just take my word for it. You get in this book and you read this story, and you'll find out that it was never God's intention for them to wander for 40 years. It was going to be a much shorter stay in the wilderness, but they were too hard-headed and they didn't have enough faith, and their doubt extended the wilderness. And I'm about to drop something here, as they say nowadays. I'm about to drop something, and you probably ain't going to like it, but I hope you'll listen to it, and it'll make you better. That's why sometimes God doesn't intend for us to stay in the wilderness as long as we do, but it's our faithlessness and our stubbornness and our refusal to let God change us that we end up stuck in wilderness situations longer than God ever intended for us to be there. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and act all holy like I've never done it before. I can tell you from experience that this hard-headed sucker standing up here has sometimes had to live in the wilderness longer than God ever intended because I was too hard-headed and too stubborn and wouldn't let God teach me what he wanted me to learn. I'm going to give you a little nugget here. Y'all ready for this? It ain't even in my notes. I'm going to give you a little nugget. There's a way I've started praying when I'm going through stuff. And that's this. Lord, please help me to learn what you want me to learn in this so I can move on out of it. <laughs> you know, as an immature Christian, we want to say, God, I just want out of this. Come on. 
As an immature Christian, I said, God, I don't want to be in this anymore. I'm tired of this. Get me out of this mess. I don't want to be living in this. This is too hard. This is too difficult. Why am I here, God? Why? This is no fair. I shouldn't be here, God. But now, I've, as I've developed, Lord, I know I surely haven't arrived, but at least I've finally broken some hard-headedness and stupidity, and the Lord has taught me now. I've gotten to the place where, Lord, listen, I'm not just praying to get out of this. Lord, teach me what you want me to learn in this situation. And that way I can get the lesson and I can get on out of this wilderness. <laughs> because I know that this is not my permanent destination. There's a promised land. Now, I thought y'all would shout about that. There is a promised land. There is a land flowing with milk and honey. There is a place that God has as a destination. But, and the wilderness is not it. But I got to learn what God wants me to learn so I can get out of the wilderness and get to where God wants me. Thirdly and finally, remember that you have an appointment with destiny. Remember that you have an appointment with destiny. Satan will attempt to assassinate the will of God in your life. Circumstances may even try to contradict purpose, but purpose will always prevail. God told Eve all the way back, the second person to ever live on this earth, Eve. God told Eve that she would be the mother of all living things. But there was a moment in her life, a day when she looked around and all she had given birth to was a corpse and its murderer. Think about that. Eve was there. God said, you're going to be the mother of all living things. But there was a moment after her son Cain, God rejected his sacrifice. He got mad, killed his brother Abel. There was a moment in Eve's life where even though she had the promise of God that she was going to be the mother of all living things, there was a moment where all she had given birth to was a corpse and its murderer. And it would have been easy for her to say, what happened to the promise of God? And let me just tell you this morning that there may be moments in your life where you could stand there like Eve and you may feel like that you may know God has given me this promise and he's told me he's going to do this. He's going to take me there. He's got this purpose. He's got this destiny. He's got this mission. But in a particular moment, you might stop and you may, like Eve, can look at the situation and see that all that God has brought about in your life is a corpse and its murderer. But never forget, that God never has to catch up with any of us. You see, it might seem like in that situation that God had been thrown a curveball with this set of circumstances. But nothing has ever just occurred to God. Nothing has ever just caught him. Listen, there has been stuff that has just caught me, I mean, out of left field, and I'm like, I was not expecting that. But that's never happened to God. God has always known from the beginning what's going to happen. And a plan of escape and provision has already been built into your destiny. You may be standing there feeling like all that you've ever given birth to in your life is a corpse and its murderer. But I need you to remember that you may feel like that, but God has a Seth in the loins of Adam. Eve could have thought it's over. Eve could have thought that 
that nothing is going to happen. God's promise won't be fulfilled. He didn't realize that this was going to go on between my boys, but she didn't know that God had always had a Seth. He had always had a Seth ready. He was always there ready to be born. He was never second best. He was not God's band-aid fix-it. Seth is the ultimate plan of God to fulfill his original promise to you in the first place. Just like Jesus Christ, whenever sin entered into the world, God was not surprised. Go back to Genesis. Read the story. Adam and Eve had it perfect. There was no sickness. There was no pain. There was none of that. Sin had not entered into the world. But you may know the story. The serpent came. The devil came in the form of a serpent. He deceived Eve. She took the fruit, the one thing that they weren't supposed to take. My God, that's, that's a whole other message for another whole other day. But the one thing... The one thing, they had everything else, but the one thing God said no to is the one thing they had to have, they thought. And as Eve took the fruit, convinced Adam to do the same, they realized their nakedness. They cover themselves with leaves. The Bible said God came down to the garden walking in the cool of the day. Adam, Eve, where are y'all at? Where are you? You know, Adam and Eve might have thought, probably thought we got to hide because, God, I can, we can't let God know this happened. Some might have thought, oh, God just didn't even have a plan for this. He was caught off guard. God knew from the very beginning. In that moment, God called him. He told him. He spoke with them. There's dialogue there. But we find something significant. They had tried to cover themselves with leaves, but God said that's not going to work. And God made the very first blood sacrifice. He sacrificed a lamb and covered them with the skin of that lamb. God killed the very first lamb, but that was not even the first time that that had crossed God's mind because later on in the scripture we find that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Before Adam and Eve ever messed up, before God ever even made Adam and Eve, God knew exactly what was going to happen. God knew that Cain was going to kill Abel. There was always a Seth. God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, and if they didn't mess it up, I probably would have been the one to eventually mess it up. But God always had a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, his very own son, Jesus Christ, who would take care of it. This morning, I want to remind you, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever wilderness you may be walking through right now, you feel like, like Eve at one point. The purpose and the promises of God, all you have is a murderer and a dead corpse. But I need to remind you, God's got a Seth. God wasn't caught off guard by any of this. His plan for you still stands. His plan for you still remains. His plan for you, I don't care, you may have flunked out of a few classes, but God still got you. Come on, you may have walked through a divorce, but God still got you. You may have walked through some sickness, but God still got you. You may have been surprised by some of the junk that you have gone through here on this earth, but God was never surprised. And God still has you. I'm going to give you this. I'm wrapping this up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
Look there, if you will, with me. I want you to see it. And I didn't give this to you, Rachel, but if you can pull it up, if you can't get to it, it's my fault. I didn't give it to you. First Thessalonians 2, 17 and 18. And then chapter 3, verse 11. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. The Apostle Paul here, he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. In fact, if you've got the little descriptions above this section, mine says Paul's longing to see the Thessalonians. Verse 17 there says, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. I mean, this dude is like, I mean, he's like the super apostle. It's Paul. Wrote two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. The man who, who was the sons of Sceva, they were, they were trying to cast out devils. And they say, in Jesus' name, whom Paul preached. And the devils even said, Jesus we know. Even Paul we've heard of. That Paul. That Paul had every intention of getting to Thessalonica. But he said, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. I will say this. Satan can delay you. And you may not like that either, but there it is. New Testament. Satan can delay you. But look at chapter 3 and verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. You see, sometimes in those wilderness experiences, you're going to have to learn to pray, God, clear the way. The book of Daniel, chapter 3 and verse 11, I'm going to read it real quick. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Verse 12, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Can I tell you, as soon as you open your mouth to God, he hears you. You ready for this? Verse 13, but... The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Verse 14, now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the visions concerning a time yet to come. If you haven't heard anything else I've said, listen to me. Satan can delay. He can put up roadblocks. He can get in the way. But he can't deny. The devil might get in your way, and you may feel like you were supposed to get somewhere in a certain time, and the devil can't. He can put up roadblocks. For the apostle Paul, that super apostle, he said, I'm trying to get to you, Thessalonica, but the devil is in my way and I can't get there right now. The great Daniel, the dude that went in the lion's den and, the God, and God closed the lion's mouths. He had prayed, God heard him that moment and the answer was on the way. 
But the prince of the spirit of Persia got in the way for 21 days. So, Pastor, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know about all this. I want you to know about this because I want you to see this. Because I don't want to preach to you like some would tell you and just, hey, you pray, bam, it's going to be there. Sometimes there's delay. And sometimes the enemy is going to stand smack dab in the way of what God's trying to get you to and get to you. But hear me, don't let the story end there. Delay never means denial. Because just as much as Satan can stand there, those moments will teach you to learn like Paul did to pray. God, get it out of the way. You see, some of y'all going to have to learn how to pray and say, God, I need you to move some stuff. Jesus said, you're going to pray, you're going to speak to this mountain, you're going to say, be you cast into the midst of the ocean. What's going to happen? He said, it'll be done. See, some of us are going to have to get to the place where we begin to realize that it's the devil in the way. Sometimes we get all tore up out the frame and get all depressed and feel like it's never going to happen. No, it's not a denial. It's just a delay. And God's going to use that to teach you how to pray and say, God, clear the way. Mountain, get out of my way and be cast into the midst of the sea. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.